you do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. Mr. President, I'm here! I voted for you! Wait a minute. That guy on the grassy knoll's got a gun. He's gonna shoot the president. Holy smokes, I've gotta do something. All right, Lee. Time to become an American hero. Neopolis Media Group and the Double Deuce 22 November Network proudly present to you the Lone Gunman Podcast featuring your host Rob Clark B right they are You have greatness in you. You have the ability to do more than you can ever begin to imagine. I don't even know you, but I'm telling you what I know from my own experience. And greatness, ladies and gentlemen, greatness, it's a choice. It's not your destiny. Most people never discover their greatness. Most people, ladies and gentlemen, go to their graves living a life of mediocrity. One day, you're gonna die. And that's not me being negative. That's the cold, hard truth. So I want you to face that reality right now. And I want you to take a good look at your life right now as it is. If you died tomorrow, how would you look back on your life? Would you be proud to be buried? Or would you feel like your life was incomplete? So looking at death straight in the face right now will set you free. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Real quick, before we get started, I got some exciting news for people that love the show. And would like to support this show in another way other than just donating money. Um, I am proud to bring to you another way to support the show and get something in return. And look good doing it, people. I've got some Lone Gunman watches. These are very cool watches. Uh, They have interchangeable different colored bands. Um, They are waterproof. And you can check them out at modifywatches.com backslash the Lone Gummin Podcast. To see them for yourself, please head over to tlgpodcast.com and look for the post about it. 
right before that you see the one for this show. That's modifywatches.com backslash the Lone Gunman Podcast. Uh, and I'll put the link up on the website so you can check it out. If you follow me on social media, the link is there as well. Uh, you can check out the pictures. These watches look really good. Um, and uh, I do get a little something back from them. If you buy one, and if you hurry right now before December 24th, if you use code STOCKING, all caps, you know, like stocking stuffer, use the code STOCKING, and you will get 30% off of your order. And after that, till the end of the year, I have another code for you I'll bring uh, next week uh, for, that'll, that'll be 20% off. So it's a really good price right now, 30% off until December 24th. These are great stocking stuffers. These are great for yourself uh, and another way to support the show and, and actually get something in return. So please check them out. And, uh, you know, even if you can't buy one, at least share share the post. I mean, these are these are damn good looking watches. They have the uh, the original black logo, the alternate uh, red logo, and a special logo you've never seen before, uh, made just for these watches. So ch- definitely check them out. And uh, so without further ado, uh, let me bring to you in great sounding stereo surround sound. Thank you, Chuck Ocelli. Uh, without further ado, I bring to you my guest this week, the motivating Jake Carter. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is episode number 94 of the Lone Gummit Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Clark, and today I have a special guest with me. He is an author and JFK researcher, uh, Jacob Carter. How you doing, Jake? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm doing great. And, uh... Jake is a relatively young fellow in all this, aren't you, Jake? How how old are you, buddy? I'm 26, and uh, hopefully I'll live up to that mentally. Yeah, I hear you. You know, I thought uh, at 40 I was relatively young uh, to be interested in the case. But, yeah, man, uh, I think it's great that, you know, that somebody your age and uh, who missed, you know, wasn't alive for a lot of this stuff is, is interested in the case and as as interested as you are to actually, you know, go as far as you did and and write a book about it and everything. So tell us us a little bit about your book, Jake. It's called Before History Dies. Yeah, well, uh, I wasn't going to write a book originally because I thought there was a lot of books out there and I didn't want to write a book just to do it. Um, And my dad was a history professor when I was growing up so i grew up around history and i watched jfk probably six seven years ago and i just i've always been kind of a researcher and i dug into it and tried to fact check everything and just went on through the years one of the things i started to notice after a while was that there were no younger people interested in it and i tell people i don't really have a motive in it because i just kind of stumbled upon it in my life and um when I noticed that there weren't younger people involved in it and there were still files withheld and stuff, what made me write a book was there wasn't a lot out there that you could just pick up and get a kind of a, just a little summary on the different theories that are out there and kind of the mindsets from both sides of the case or from multiple sides of the case. I also spent probably three, four years getting burnt by false theories and false leads and stuff. And, 
I wanted somebody younger, if they wanted to get interested in it, to have something simple they could go in. So I chose, I did around 30 interviews um, because of time and because of money. I could only do, I chose to end up with around 12 interviews from both sides, um, from some of the top researchers I could find. And I did it that way because I, I think um, we're, in, we're in a new generation, kind of the postmodern generation, where people learn better, younger people learn better, if you can allow them to choose uh, for themselves which side is more credible instead of trying to shove it down their throat. Um, and so that's, that's why I approached the book like that. And I wanted it, though, to be a book where they could go to it and really have an understanding of where they stood afterward. And then I also gave sources in the book to where they could dig into these researchers further if they wanted to learn further. And then that way, it wasn't me just giving my opinion on the case. It was they were pulling from greater minds uh, than myself. Yeah, I mean, I think you did a great job of, of balancing the book. You know, between conspiracy theorists and the, and the lone the lone nut theory, <clears throat> and just to just to let everybody know, you know, some of the some of the people we interviewed for the book, you know, we're talking about Jefferson Morley, Anthony Summers, David Talbot, who just put a book out, The Devil's Chessboard, uh, David Shine, Robert McClellan, uh, Dan Hardaway, Dale Myers on the lone nut side, John McAdams, Max Holland, uh, Tunheim Posner, you know, people like this, and uh, I think. It also highlights a lot of the different, how just how different within one side, uh, you know, people can be. You know, you have uh, people who believe, you know, that the CIA was involved, that uh, Alan Dulles was involved, that uh, the mafia was involved. Um, you know, everywhere from a, a grand conspiracy to a small conspiracy to no conspiracy. I think you did a, a great job of, uh, you know, getting a good, good people here. Yeah, and, and most of them, were, uh, most people were, are, were very uh, informative and very kind, and I felt like um, I had studied the case enough where I could ask questions in the book that I hear a lot of people ask, like, oh, I wish I could ask them that. Um, an example of that is how some people say Robert McClellan didn't turn the body around of JFK so he wouldn't know what the head wound looked like. Um, I specifically asked him that and challenged him in that that they told him people say he's mistaken because he couldn't have seen it if he didn't turn the body around um, he disputed that and I tried to do this fair I tried to challenge the conspiracy researchers and I tried to challenge some of the lone nut researchers and I tried to do it respectfully and a lot of people some of them were suspicious of me you know here was this young guy uh, who's you know, what's his motive and stuff. So I had to win some of them over. And, but what I wanted to do was I wanted to allow them to speak too. And a lot of the times in the research community, we almost have this thing where we don't want the other side to speak. Right. Because if we do, then they might tell us something that challenges our worldview and what we think. And so I really thought it was important to get both sides. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, even on this show, you know, I, and online too. I mean, I, I enjoy talking to some people that, that don't have the same beliefs that I do. So that I guess it kind of challenges me to kind of, I don't know, sharpen my research skills to come up with more evidence to support my theory, you know, especially when talking to these lone nutters. Um, 
you know, I thought, uh, I thought the the question you asked Dale Myers is he a CIA? Is he a CIA? Uh, that was hilarious, man. But it's it's something that you know people on the conspiracy side of things think that you know people like Posner and McAdams and Myers and a lot of these uh, prominent guys, you know, are you know CIA paid CIA dis disinformation artists. You know, just because um, you know they put forth the lone assassin theory. Yeah, and I mean, I did it out of humor. Uh, I think, but I think I did it too, just to show people, you know, why not just ask them if that's what everybody thinks. And I got to know some of them through it. I got to know Dale Myers well. And I mean, he's not my best friend, but I got to know him enough to respect him. And when I first reached out to him, actually, he was kind of, uh, he didn't really know about it because he said maybe three people had called him on the phone over the years or wrote him an email. Um, and I was surprised by that. And he said, you're actually one of the first people that have reached out and said, you know what, what do you think about this whole thing or who are you? And it's easy to demonize people if you don't know them. And if you don't talk to these people, it's easy to sit back and read articles and demonize them and, um, and stuff like that. Uh, if you get to know some of these people, you'll understand that they don't work for the CIA. There's no way, um, you know, and like he made the joke, he cashes that check regular, yeah. um, the central intelligence check. And you have some extreme researchers out there who say these things that have no evidence to back them up. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to come on your program is because you were fair and balanced. And, you know, this whole, this whole idea of demonizing people, and taking slander shots and slander articles. And um, I just don't think it helps the case in any way. And one of the things I said in my book is that no generation has the right um, to write off history, but I also want to say that no generation or any researcher really has the right to own history in and of themselves. And history is all of ours. And history is never one-sided. You always have different sides and different mindsets into history. And, um, you know, in the American Revolutionary War, you might have the British side, what they thought, and you might have the uh, colonialist side in America, what they thought. So I just thought it was important um, to show that a debate could be done and it could be done respectfully and it could be done in a way where you could learn from the other person. And these guys write books and all and, and a lot of these other researchers take the book and then they go through it and they just shred these people personally. Well, that doesn't accomplish anything. No, um, no. And that's why I wanted to show people like, hey, we're wasting time getting personal and taking shots at each other when we have history to solve here. Yeah, I mean, that's at least with the online debate, you know, that's often what it devolves into is, a, you know, personal attacks and, and the like. You know, when people don't have the evidence to back up their claims and you see it all the time in, in the groups and forums. And, uh, you know, a lot of these big name, I guess, lone nutters, you'd say, you know, they, uh, you know, people like Posner, they're not really into the forum deal. Uh, you know, I know John McAdams has his own forum, uh, but fairly rarely ever ventures outside of it. Um you know, so it's kind of hard to get at these people um, and, and, and to, uh, you know, establish yourself. Because I know, you know, like somebody like me, 
or you who would go into you know McAdams forum and start asking questions would get attacked not necessarily by McAdams but you know some of these some of these guys on both sides of the fence are very voracious in attacking people who you know are simply asking questions asking hard questions or you know might not have uh, the same viewpoints as they do on certain things and where the evidence means different things to different people and uh it, it is it's hard you know and and people you know i heard uh i heard john mcadams interviewed actually on james lambert's show and he sounds like a, a decent uh enough guy you know and somebody that you could have a conversation with and you know but you hear you hear uh you know jim de eugenio on black op tell of you know talking to mcadams and it's like he's the uh the most evil man in the world but uh you know i think the truth lies you know somewhere in the middle there yeah, and I think I think one of the this is where we're at in the case now. Uh, we need to reform the research community, and a lot of people don't want to hear that uh, because they've sat on a throne for a long time. But the fact is, is it never hurts to look at it and say where what are the mistakes we've made, and we need to look at it and reform it. And I'm saying that as a younger man with an outside view, we cannot afford to do this anymore. Um, I know it's going to go on. I don't have a grandiose vision that this will stop. But as far as the younger generation coming up and some of the older researchers need to set a better example because people don't want to touch this case because you either look nutty or angry. And it's uh, we need to stop all of this. And we need, if we want this case to move forward, the thing to do is to educate younger people on it. But you cannot do that by sitting on forums and arguing with each other all day long. Um, and I really question the character of it because you got to ask yourself, at what point did this stop being about JFK and about history, and did it become about us being right? Yeah. And um, I think that's the greatest travesty is that it's we've lost sight that our president died, that we didn't get an honest answer on it, and that we're still digging for that. And we need to get these files out from their hands. We've lost sight of that, and it's become a waste of time. And I honestly, if there was a massive conspiracy in the disinformation machine, I know of no greater tool than to allow people to sit on forums all day and argue with each other and take shots um, where other people look at it and say, I don't want anything to do with that. Yeah, yeah. And I think another problem is, too, when you look at some of the folks out there that are associating themselves with this case, is the disinformation and i'm talking about people like um you know judith baker who has extraordinary claims but no extraordinary evidence to back them up and you know people like jim fetzer spouting this nonsense and this oswald in the doorway crap and <clears throat> you know it's fine if they want to do that but here's the problem when you get new eyes on the case and you you run into these people that have very loud voices in the community and uh you know their tentacles reach you know all through social media and the internet you know it these young minds get poisoned by this either the, this disinformation and either they're turned off by it or they buy into it and because let's face it jake a lot of people don't have the uh the wherewithal to actually dive in and research this case properly because it is a dedication, you know? Yeah. No, no you're right. And sadly, uh, you know, it's sadly it's become kind of a game 
and some people get offended when I say that, but sadly it's the, one of the things uh, I manage social media on the side. Uh, one of the things I do and I, I manage uh, JFK facts, uh, Facebook site for Jefferson Morley. And one of the saddest things that social media has done to this case is everyone now is an expert. Everyone is a researcher and everyone is, um, they know everything there is to know. So if you have one Facebook group, right, that has all the same people in it debating, you'll have one guy leave that group and go create another group and pull all the people from that group into another one. Why? Because now he is the top dog. He's the researcher. I'm not completely against that because sometimes we need a new group. But, and I'm also not the type to sit on the throne and go, you know what, none of y'all are researchers and we all are. Um, but we do need credible people. And you just see, you see a lot of the same stuff regurgitated, a lot of the same theories regurgitated. You know, five people will comment on a post and they'll say the same thing. And it's almost like if you're a JFK researcher, sadly, that's like a badge of honor. Like, oh, you know, that's what I am. I'm all into that, you know. Um, and I, I, what the problem with that is, is if, if everyone's a researcher and everyone knows everything, then that tells me that not a lot of people are teachable or they're hungry to learn more. And, um, you know, I'll give you an example. Like you said, you can't go onto a lone nut forum and ask conspiracy questions because then you're going to get slammed. But you can't go on a conspiracy forum and ask lone nut questions or you're going to get slammed there too. Yeah. And so everyone kind of picks their side and what they believe in their worldview. And they just stay in that side and they kind of pat each other on the back. And uh, I really think we need critical thinking uh, in this and... You know, I don't think everything Lone Nut researchers say is necessarily wrong, and I don't think everything conspiracy theorists say is necessarily wrong, and I've been accused of being a, a pacifist, like, well, we're all right, kind of a universalist, let's all just get along, and I'm not like that at all. I'm just saying that's the way this case is. You can't claim, you can't sit on one hill and say this is right, and we know the truth, and that's it. You're right, and, uh, you know, I've noticed that, too, and... You know, you're. I think you're in the same group I am. It's uh, it's it's kind of a lone nut centric group. Uh, J, fair play for JFK with Jim Hess as the admin, which yeah. I think, by the way, he does a pretty pretty good job of running the group. But to be a conspiracy oriented guy in that group, you got to have real thick skin, and you better know exactly what you're talking about because you'll have seven people that I equate to, you know, sharks that are going to try to tear you apart, try to tear your, if they can't tear your theory apart, you know, then they'll start insulting you. And, you know, once you weather the storm, you know, and, and prove to them that, hey, I'm not going anywhere, dude. I'm just here, you know, to talk about evidence, you know, then things kind of quiet down and they might gain a little bit of respect for you and you might gain a little bit of respect for them. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... You know, we're, we're too old for these games, these high school games of, uh, you know, call it name calling and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, there's just no place for it in the, in the community. And, you know, to me personally, you know, and I'm not going to say anything unless I unless I can back it up in some form or fashion, either logically or with evidence and 
but that's just me. You know, you, you get on these groups and, and, you know, you see people say, oh, I think the, uh, you know, let's talk about the if the Zapruder film was altered. Well, people like me and you, we've had this conversation a million times. It, it never get anywhere. You know, there's no solid proof of anything. Uh, you know, or they want to talk about the magic bullet theory. But, you know, real researchers are way past this. You know, we're way past this. And then people don't want to, uh, you know, actually get involved because you know you get in some of these groups on facebook there you know thousand three thousand people in the groups that are obviously interested in the case but you might have 20 out of that three thousand that post on a regular basis or contribute anything to you know a thread it's just crazy yeah and i i know jim s and he's a good guy and i i, I agree with you i think it's a good group uh you know uh and i know some of the other guys in it and you know, I, I, I mean, that's why I wrote the book. That's I wanted to write the book to take the excuse away from people that, hey, you can't, you can't talk to these guys. They, because I'm a conspiracy believer in this case, and I told Dale Myers and everybody I talked to, I was, and they knew where I stood, and I told him, I said, but I'm going to be respectful to you, and I admire all of the work you've put in, and I want to hear it, you know, and. I wanted to rip the excuse away from people that to say, we just can't talk to these people, you know, and uh, you can. It's just a certain way um, to approach it, you know, and I've posted conspiracy stuff on that group, uh, the Fair Play for JFK. But there's a certain way you can word it and a certain way you can approach people that doesn't provoke them. And um, I think we really need to be honest with ourselves and ask ourselves, do we want to provoke people? Like deep down, is it fun for us? And uh, I didn't want to do that. But one of the biggest convictions for me was just why I felt responsible to do a book and to kind of have a name in it. Um, because I'm in my personality, I'm not somebody that likes to be a star of the show. I kind of like to sit back. And one of the reasons why I did it is because I felt like this uh case was important and i felt like it was becoming a mess and i felt like it was getting lost in social media and that something needed to be done about that and i'm going to give you an example on jfkfacts.org which jefferson morley runs which has both sides on it and is fair and balanced to me um they there are certain people in that group that did not want john mcadams to even have a voice in there right yeah. and they were going to they wanted to, they, they started calling him out on his problems at his job and stuff like this, which really has nothing to do with the case. Um, they didn't want him to talk, and I was asked my opinion, and I told people that this whole idea that we're in a democracy and we believe in JFK and we believe what he stood for, but we don't act like JFK at, and when we do stuff like this. JFK, as we know historically, reached out to Nikita Khrushchev. He put feelers out to Castro. He would talk to people. He would pull all the information. He was very teachable. He knew history. He knew you had to get both sides and not just understand one. We would have gone to nuclear war had he just listened to one side. Yeah. And this whole idea that we're, uh, we're all about democracy and JFK, yet we don't act like that in our personal lives. We shut everybody up. And we only want them to hear what we want to hear. And if they don't, we're going to attack them personally. And I called it out. And I said, this is not even American. This is not even close to what JFK would have done. 
And, um, you know, that's something I said, I spoke at Lancer and in the speech, I said that, you know, now we have these cries, uh, to shut everybody up. And I'm like, okay, are we socialists now? Are we, you know, who are we as a research community? Um, are we vindictive and we attack each other? Is that who JFK was? Um, or do we really care? And so I completely agree with you um, that you can post on a group and people will attack you. And that's okay with me. I even had a friend this morning ask me, hey, why is, why is, uh, Jim Fetzer on your Facebook friends list. Hmm. Now, I don't know how they had the time to dig through my friends list, but they found it. And I said, because I'm one of the few people, you know, I don't agree with that guy on most things, but I don't hate the guy. I mean, it's not personal to me. He can believe what he wants to believe. And that's what makes it an American. And he can say what to say. And that's the, that's what makes an American. It might be stuff that's out there and crazy, but he still has the right to say it. And so we have this belief now. We have been sold that you don't have a right to ask questions. You don't have a right to make personal choices. You only can do what we tell you you can do. And that's not American at all. And that's not what JFK stood for. And that is the greatest travesty that's happened to the research community. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's been <clears throat> 52 years, okay? And we haven't solved the case yet throughout all the hard work from thousands of people and thousands of books and, you know, two official inquiries and one official, I guess, um, record release and, and uh, you know, re-examination. <clears throat> we still haven't solved the case. You know, we have a lot of pieces, a lot of pieces. A lot of people think that they've solved the case um, and they don't like to address the problems with, you know, with what they have. But, I think it's going to be a collaborative effort rather than the efforts of one person. I mean, if it was that easy, it'd be done by now, you know, and I think, you know, people, you know, Jay, I mean, like the reason I wanted to start doing this too is, is so people in the community have a bigger voice than just black op radio. And I got nothing against black op radio. I think that Lynn's done a lot of great work. Had a lot of great guests on and uh, provided a lot of great information through the years, you know. And then, like this past summer, you know, he was practically doing doing the jig when Gary Mack died. You know, I mean, like, dude wasn't even cold yet, and he's you know dancing on his grave, saying how great it is that he's passed. And, and I just lost a lot of respect uh, for Lynn after that. And uh, it, it's it's you know stuff like that we just don't need, man. You know if it just it is what it is just do your thing and don't worry about what the other guy's doing you know if if the tr the truth will prevail you know what i'm saying oh yeah and i had people attack they didn't like the way i did my book they didn't like the fact that i put lone nut researchers in there i knew that was going to happen but what i wanted to do was that what i did the absolute best i thought i could do and i i told them i said if if this is the truth if what you believe is the truth your theory or what you believe is the truth, then you don't have to worry about people challenging it. And when I talked to David Sheen, uh, he told me that he liked talking to Gerald Posner because he liked having a, a mindset that was a great researcher on the other side to bounce his ideas off of for critical thinking so he could come to the best conclusion he could. And that's right. the kind of thing I'm, I'm talking about is we can't just uh, – we can't just – you know, 
this this whole deal of there's an ugly feeling in the research community of really this deep resentment towards each side and this needs to be addressed and it needs the character of it needs to be called out and dealt with and i feel like nobody's really doing that because everyone picks a side and then they're done and this is kind of what i'm talking about this is the psychology of the case that is brought up um i'm a drug and alcohol counselor part of my training for drug and alcohol counseling was to take character profiling to understand how people are wired and what makes them tick their personality traits um, and what drives them to do what they do and i took that and i applied it to the case and i saw a lot wrong uh, that was going on in the research community i don't see you know, JFK's American University speech where he asked us to examine our own inward attitudes towards each other, towards different beliefs, and ask ourselves where we're responsible for demonizing people or not being teachable. And I don't see people, I see people posting that speech and they love it and, and they're all for it, but I don't see them applying that in their everyday life. Right. And, and um, I, you know, people, uh, I had one guy critique my book who hasn't even read it. And he said he didn't like the fact that I was young and I didn't, you know, I didn't speak more about science. I didn't bring science into it, which there's all sorts of science if you read the interviews um, in it. But he didn't like the idea that I did this. And I'm telling you, that's not my place in the case. I tell people I'm not a medical expert. I'm not, a, I'm not, I don't know a lot about ballistics. There's a lot of researchers out there that do if they want to reach out to them. Um, no person in this case stands alone and they know everything about one topic. We all have different strengths we bring to the table. That's why it's important to listen to other people and their ideas. My deal as a younger person is we need to look at the character of the researchers. We need to examine their fruit. We need to understand what's driving them. Is it resentment? Is it pride? Is it ambition? Is it money? Or are they legit researchers? And they they don't they don't really gain a lot from it, and so we need to tip our hat to those people and give them the honor they're due. Right. Yeah, I think you know people like Lynn don't realize that you know without you know people on the other side like Gary Mack and John McAdams, he probably never would have done his Fifty Reasons for Fifty Years uh, video series. He probably wouldn't still be on the radio after fifteen years, you know, still examining the case and still talking about it. But you had mentioned earlier, Jake, <clears throat> that you got to speak at Lancer this year. And I was I wanted to ask you about your experience at the conference and, uh, you know, just what, what kind of things you took away from it. Yeah, and it, I mean, it was a great experience. I was really honored to be asked to speak being young and being around them. Um, I actually presented myself through um, Marie Fonzie, who helped me a lot with the book, and uh she said I should ask, and so I went to him and I said, Do you, would you like me to speak? This is what I would speak on, reaching the younger generation. And they said yes, and I went, and Deborah Conway and, and uh, Larry Hancock and the people that put the conference on are great people. They were very fully supportive, and they're, they've been fully supportive, and I was appreciative for the opportunity as, as for the experience. Um, I told somebody, when I go down there to the conference, I'm not going down there just to speak, to hear myself speak. I want to put a dent, and I want to challenge people. And I did challenge them in my speech. Uh, well, yeah, well, when I spoke at the conference, they just were saying that uh, when I, one of the most encouraging things was just how much people responded to it. 
and they were glad uh, that somebody younger was involved. And I really enjoyed it because I learned a lot from the other guys. And when you meet these people in person, it really changes your views on them because, it, you know, it's harder to be biased against somebody or have hatred toward them. And when you see these people are real people with struggles like you have, and these people um, are doing the best they can, you know, with what they have. And so I really enjoyed the conference. I think those conferences are important. I think one of the most important things is getting younger people into those conferences. So I challenged everyone sitting in the crowd to reach one younger person throughout the year and that they didn't have to do this huge deal to get younger people involved and have a committee and all this. They just need to reach out to one and say, hey, who do you think killed President Kennedy? Uh, why do you think that, um, you know, uh, do you even know about this time period in history and why it matters? Uh, did you know it's still going on today? I just wanted all of the researchers in there to pick one younger person out and do it. And if they didn't listen, go to another younger one. Um, I go down to the Grassy Knoll in Dealey Plaza sometimes with some friends who are younger, and we walk around and I show them around, and then I talk to younger people out there. Um, on the anniversary, I went out there and there was a group of students who was being told by a researcher that Lyndon Johnson had killed JFK. They knew it. It was over. There was no reason in researching anything else. And I let him have his spill. And then I went up to him and I said, how do you know that what that guy just told you is the absolute truth? How do you know that? How do you know that guy's a researcher? And they didn't know. And I told them that what was important is that they needed to get all sides of the case and not just listen to one person and bank their whole history off of one person. And um, I think that's um, what everybody needs to do is do their little part. You know, I think people want to do everything and be the ultimate researcher. And I'm not against that. I'm just saying I, it would help if people would stay in their lane and do their own part and stay focused and do their job and not worry about what everyone else is doing. Oh, uh, but yeah, I totally agree with you. I mean, uh, I think, you know, I went to a conference last year up here in Alexandria, Virginia, and, you know, just looking around, I was the youngest person there <laughs> at 40. I mean, it was like a, looked like a funeral parlor in there. You know, as many old people was in there and, uh, you know, 50 shades of gray, but I think it is a huge, huge problem that, you know, that the youth of today could care less. And I mean, it's, it's understandable with all the distractions that they have that, you know, they put celebrity and social media and their, you know, Starbucks and, you know, their fashion and whatever, you know, worried about what Kanye West is doing and, uh, you know, things like that. They don't really care. And, and, you know, I think a, a big, big problem, too, is the curriculum. You know, stuff like this is just not taught anymore in school. Right. And history is constantly being rewritten by people with an agenda. And, you know, I completely agree with you. And some of it is the fault of younger people. So I don't want to just get on here and bash researchers and say, oh, it's all y'all's fault. You know, some of us are not teachable and arrogant. Uh, you know, young people, we know everything there is to know. And, uh, but this whole attitude is what I got in my book. This whole attitude of postmodernism, there's no absolute truth, everything's relative. 
if you want to believe what you want to believe, that's fine, and I'm going to believe what I want to believe, and who are you to say I'm wrong? Uh, this whole deal has was created. One of its birth moment was at the JFK assassination, and that is why it matters today, because when once that happened, and we all know the old saying, America lost its innocence, we started becoming the cynical culture we are today where everyone says, I don't care, and you can't make me care. The problem with this is, is eventually history demands that you care. And we're living in a toxic world now where we're seeing these things develop overseas, and they're going to come here eventually. And uh, we're going to have to care. What's going to be the problem is when we don't have anybody younger who's educated on how to care, or you don't tell people why to care, you know, one of the things I do with younger people is when they tell me they don't care, I tell them, well, then that leaves you wide open for anything. I could take advantage of you any way I wanted if I knew you didn't care. And uh, that, that kind of hits them like, oh, because they don't want to be punked, you know, and they think they're being the ones that are punking people by saying I don't care. Well, don't they think that there's smarter minds out there, wiser minds that know how to manipulate that notice that they don't care? Um, that they haven't played right into their hands. And I'm like, you're being manipulated by mainstream media. You're being manipulated by uh, the, the culture we live in of I don't care. And I said, that is the most dangerous mindset of a culture historically where everyone's apathetic and they don't care. And the next step for us, if we don't fix it, is going to be an immense amount of pain that makes us care. And I'm going to give you an example. When... When you had all of these problems going on in America a month ago, the race problems, uh, everyone's offended, Democrat, Republican, the presidential race, uh, you know, the, the flags hanging up, no one wants up, terrorism. And then you had that attack in California that happened where people died. You know what I mean? And it hits home like, wow, we live in a violent and crazy world. And we live in a culture where we, where we don't have to face that every day. People can have their opinions and stuff. Um, and then guess what? When that attack happened, all you heard on the news was this urgency, like, hey, man, this is the world we live in. This is reality. Look at this attack. You didn't hear about the race problems anymore. You didn't hear about Democrat and Republican, gun control. Not for those first hours. You just heard about the harsh reality of where we live. And it forces you to care. And so... Um, I think we're headed there as a culture. We're going to be called upon, like every generation is, to answer a certain call. And, man, if you don't have people who know their history, when President Kennedy was in the White House, he knew his history. He had historians on his staff. He consulted and pulled advice from to best handle current situations. I don't believe the people in the White House now or for a while have done that. I believe we make impulsive decisions. And... When you, we, you know, the, the next JFK right now is sitting in the classrooms somewhere. Our leaders of tomorrow are in the classrooms and we better wake up and get them to care and get them convicted and, and pump empathy into them where they care about other people. Uh, or we are going to live in a very scary and cold world. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think that the one in, the one important question in your book that you asked, I think just about everybody was, you know, does the assassination still matter today? 
And the overwhelming answer from everybody, both sides, is a resounding yes. It does still matter because look at, like you said, look at what's going on around us. You know, and, and apathy is running rampant in our youth uh, just because they don't care. They care about themselves just because this is what they're being taught from day one. You know, you worry about you, you know, worry about who likes you, who you're going to be, you know, what you want to do. You know, everybody gets a trophy. It's, it's you know, you, 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 you. <laughs> and, you know, I see, I see it. You know, my stepdaughter's 17 years old in high school. I see it, but, you know, firsthand. They could care less about anything but, you know, their cell phone, their computer, their Starbucks, their FaceTime, their this, their that. And, you know, as far as history goes, they could care less. They're all about it right now. But what they don't realize is, you know, you, ha you need to understand what happened in the past to understand where we are today and how we can fix it. And like you said, if if, if the youth of today is, is uh, one day going to be in charge of this country, we're in deep, deep trouble. Right. And, you know, I think this people are like, well, where does it start? Well, I think it starts with the example that the older people set, you know, and like I said earlier, if we are sitting online all day and fighting with each other and it gets personal and slanderous, what kind of example does that set? You know, if we're happy that people die and we're happy that, you know, we rejoice that the other side died so we don't have to hear them anymore, what kind of example does that set for other people? Um, and, you, and, you know, you made a good point, Rob, is what we need to do is if this is going on in our culture, what's going on in the research community? Are we so naive that we think that this hasn't crept in the research community and that the narcissism and uh, the things like that um, hasn't crept in? You know, I don't I don't think it's wrong to say a researcher is wrong. I don't think it's wrong to ask questions, but I also don't think it's wrong uh, to say that to call out these guys who have no empathy towards each other and to say, you know what, we're not like that. You know what I mean? We care about other people and we care about their opinion and we want to hear it. And we don't want anything to do with that socialist type mindset that y'all are bringing to the table. So yeah. the most amazing thing to me is Rob is that people cry about disinformation, right? But to me, they played right into it. They played right into it because this is the greatest tool they could have had to make everyone look nuts, to make them look vindictive and to have everybody just fight with each other. That's the greatest disinformation machine that ever existed. Meanwhile, the real things that matter, the files that need to be gone through, the researchers that need to be talked to, these people are not being reached out to. Those files are sitting there collecting dust, except for the few that are actually digging into them. No one's teaching younger people how to dig through those files. And what the younger generation is feeding off of is, yeah, you tell them like it is, you cuss them out, you make it personal, who cares? And that's uh, that's not good. Yeah, I mean, there's nobody around like Harold Weisberg anymore, you know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, granted, while the Internet has been a great tool for people to be able to share research instantaneously, to share ideas uh, with thousands of people at the click of a button, you know, it also has its drawbacks as well. You know, it, and 
<clears throat> you know, I'm guilty of it. Um, I wasted, I wasted almost two years of my life fighting with Jim Fetzer about the, you know, Oswald in the doorway. I, you know, I used to do a blog where, you know, I would, I would listen to what they're saying and then I would post evidence to the contrary and, and, you know, it devolved into the point where I wasn't even, I wasn't even doing any research anymore. I was just worried about trying to right a wrong within the community so that people knew the case wouldn't get taken in by this nonsense. And I eventually came to the point where I was like, you know, I got to stop wasting my time with this crap and just move on. And, you know, that was probably three years ago because, you know, I've been looking at the case since the early 90s, uh, late 80s. And, you know, just like everybody else, you know, the movie JFK, you know, kind of really kicked it back in for me when it came out. And, you know, there was a point in time when you when you look at this case long enough. And I'm not, I don't know if you've looked at it long enough yet that, you, you know, you kind of get burnt out on things and you kind of need to step away and take a break for a while, which which, you know, I did for probably 10 years, you know, from like 2000 to 2010, I, I just had to step away. I was just, you know, burned out on it. And, uh, cause it is, it's exhausting if you do it right, Jake. Yeah, it is. It really is. And I, one of the things in the back of my book is, is I, the advice I give to younger people. One of the things is that Tony Summers told me is don't let it consume your life. Uh, don't let it be the top priority in your life. There's people that have left their families for this. There's people that have left their jobs for this. They're homeless because they're researching it, and they don't take care of their family, but they'll argue the single bullet theory all day long on the Internet. Yeah. And I'm not slamming the Internet. I'm not an anti-Internet guy. Social media does a lot of things, like you said. I'm trying to fix the problems we have. I don't let it consume my life. This is not – I said in the back of my book, history matters, but your own personal history right now matters more than you know what happened 50 years ago. So, man, you hit the nail on the head. That's something else for the up-and-coming generation to stay away from. Uh, you got to have a healthy balance. Otherwise, you're going to end up biased and bitter, and you're going to end up a know-it-all. And that's, you know, I don't know how these guys do it every single day of their lives. Like, I don't even have time. I have a job yeah. I have to do, and you know what I mean? I, I have family around me, and, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how they do it, but I don't think it's healthy. If that's all they do, right. and I want to, I want to say this: the big, the big researchers, people like Jefferson Morley, and Jefferson Morley's a great guy, and I know him, and he's a friend, and I respect his work. They don't get, they have a life. They don't get caught up in all this stuff. If you notice, you don't see these guys uh, debating a lot and doing this stuff online because you know what? They have another life. They're so busy. Um, with other stuff, and they're doing quality research. And um, but it's like anything in life; it takes, like you said, it takes a certain mindset to be a real researcher to dig in. And for people like me or you, you know, we're not Washington Post reporters. We're not uh, professors in a university with a voice. So that's okay, though. But what we can do is what. People like me and you have done is you have people on, you hear them out from both sides, and that's to me how you really become a great researcher. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, you know, life is so hard these days. 
you know, just from, you know, having to have a job and a family and, and just distance, um, you know, for somebody to, to go and I'm guilty of it. I'm waiting for, you know, I'm waiting for John Newman to do the hard work. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't have time in my life to go to the archives and sift through millions and millions of documents. I just don't, nobody does. And well, I mean, the, some people do, you know, if they're well off and they have money and they don't have to worry about anything, but you know, just a regular average Joe doesn't have the ability to do that. I live relatively close to the archives, you know, within an hour and a half, but I've, I've been there once and I didn't get much accomplished. Um, you know, but that, you know, they make it hard to do, you know, now granted we have a lot of things online at Mary Farrell, but we don't have everything and we had nobody's been through everything. Um, right. You know, there's still millions of documents I'm sure that, that nobody's even looked at yet or, or, or given a second glance to. And right. it's going to get even worse here in a couple of years when hopefully uh, the rest of the files get released and uh, you know, people are going to have to do the hard work to sift through them and see if there's anything there. And people like you and me, we don't have time to do that. Uh, so, you know, we got to rely on other people to do it. And, uh, you know, it's just, it kind of sucks in a way. Everybody's so excited for these files to get released, but who, who's going to have time to get through them? You know, not very many people. And, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you too, Jake, about the conference, um, and it, it has to do with reaching younger people is because I noticed a problem at the conference I went to. Um, and it, it was, it was, it was actually a good idea for them to actually have me and Doug come there. Um, because we, you know, we put it out on social media for them. You know, we tweeted, we were doing live tweets. We were doing live interviews from the conference with, with speakers and everything like that. And, uh, you know, we're giving updates on Facebook and keeping people connected that couldn't actually make it to the conference, which I think is something that's needed, it, you know, in, in this day and age to actually connect with the young people that are interested, but, you know, don't really have the ability to make it to Dallas or make it to wherever the conference is going on, to make it to Australia. Um, and I think one thing that's sorely lacking in these conference plans is the ability to reach the young people you know it, it's you know where why is it not streaming online you know why is it not can i not pay go online and pay 4.99 to watch you know the conference and watch the speakers on demand things like this um you know i think there's just a lot a lot more that can be accomplished um, to bring these conferences to the young people and make them more interesting and actually, you know, get people more interested in them, you know? Right. No, I, you know, I agree with you totally. Some of that's just the nature of the beast where the older generation really didn't do that. They've done, they've done things a certain way for so long and that's how they want to do it. And, but, you know, I think some of it, too, is our responsibility or people who know how to use social media because it's interesting you said you stepped out and did that, which is awesome because that's exactly what I did when I met Jefferson Morley. I said, hey, I can take your social media page on Facebook and I can grow it and I have ideas 
and I can reach younger people and we'll do videos and we'll do messages and we'll do posts and we'll brainstorm and he was completely open to it and that's where you get down to are people open to it and if they're not we need to find somebody that is and I think if you meet people who are genuine like they're genuine and they're interested in the case they'll hear you out and they'll want to do these things like Deborah Conway uh, she wanted to put my speech on YouTube and because we wanted to be able to share it where people didn't have to buy the DVD um, to do it um, just that one speech and this is a part of where it begins um, because you know a lot of people aren't going to pay to hear about a 50 year old subject so I agree with you we got to get it out there I mean this is the culture we live in now and if you want Everyone knows if you're in a business and you want to make sales online, it's not necessarily about making the sale. It's about being being uh, where people can see you. Um, so the JFK case has to be seen online, and you do that with your podcast, and I try to do it through JFK Facts, and we need to allow the older researchers to continue what they've been doing, and we need to step up in these roles and do our part. But we can't do that if we're too busy trying to be right. And we're all following Fetzer. We're all following the Oswald Innocence Project or the Lone Nut Camp. And we're all just doing this. And, uh, you know, that's sad because there's a lot that could be done. And I'm super glad you see that. There's tons that people could do to get involved. Oh, definitely. You know, <clears throat> you know, like I said, you know, granted, uh, you know, we, we offered that to, to, to the conference, you know, in exchange for, you know, a hotel room and free admission to the conference. Yeah. But, you know, it's really nothing off their back. They're given rooms, a certain amount of rooms, you know, what's, what's one more, two more people in there as press. And, you know, we, we got the word out to the community that they couldn't do. And, you know, it was a win-win situation for everybody, you know, <clears throat> and I think it's 2015, you know, we need to get past, you know, selling a DVD for $50, you know, you know what I mean? This is, this isn't the 1990s anymore. We got to get, you know, we got to get things online on demand because dude, I would definitely pay, you know, five bucks to watch, to watch you give your speech in Dallas on demand. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, yeah. I would I would definitely pay five bucks to you know, to see what Buell Fraser had to say. You know, it, it's really nothing in the big scheme of things, but you know, for a lot of people, you know, and you, you do that for a little while, you know, maybe six months or maybe a month or two after the conference and then just throw it all on YouTube for the world to see for free. You know, here you go. Right. Yeah, no, I mean it's um you're exactly right, but you see, I don't even think some of these older researchers are even aware that's possible, and they get overwhelmed, yeah. and they don't, they don't know how to do it, and some of us, not you, and I'm not taking personal shots at people because I'm included in this. We know how to do it, and we don't offer our services on how to do it, and we don't sit them down and say, hey, we, we respectfully please hear me out because I want to do what's best for this case, and I think if we put this on YouTube, if we put this on social media, we'd reach a lot more, and we don't do that. Uh, 
you know, because there's this stigma out there that we can't work together. Uh, and I just think that's wrong. You know, I think we can work together. We just have to swallow our pride first. And a lot of people don't want to do that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, so Jake, is there anything we didn't get to, man, that you wanted to touch on? No, I mean, I think we got to it. Um, you know, when I wrote the book, I didn't, you know, the funny joke among authors is you don't make money writing a book. And I'm going to tell you, that's true. Uh, especially when you're talking about JFK stuff, but I wrote the book for younger people. And there's been a lot of younger people that have been reached because of it. And as an author, I want my project to do well because it was a lot of work. But at the same time, um, I didn't do it to become, a, a you know, an author or to become a researcher. I was already a researcher before I wrote the book. And I did it because I wanted to make a dent in the small way, just my small little part. And if it only changed one person's idea about history, it was worth all of the effort. And I hope the research community can have the same mindset and not be discouraged if it's only for one person. I've had a lot of people invest into me who are older researchers, uh, Gail Nix Jackson, Deborah Conway, uh, Jefferson Morley, just, you know, even uh, people like Gus Russo, who's a great guy. If people will just reach out and take the time, uh, Dale Myers, some of these people I've learned a lot from, and I hope that we can examine ourselves, like I said earlier, see where we're at, be honest with ourselves and bite our pride and go, you know what? I think I really need to check myself in this. And I also want to say this, don't throw your pearls to the swine. And I'm not calling anybody swine personally, but you know that old saying, mm -hmm. meaning don't waste your time with people that aren't going to listen, that aren't teachable. We got to stop trying to fight these people. And we need to start reaching out to people that are, because a lot of the times we waste time trying to reach these people because we want to convince them. And we miss out on the people that really would learn if we're just willing to hear them out. I see people online ask honest questions all the time and people, uh, you know, use it as a joke. And they start arguing with each other about their question when no one ever answers the guy's original question. Um, so we need to we need to pay attention to who's teachable. And the last thing I would say, Rob, is just that history absolutely matters. And that's why the case matters today, because history never stops. It never ceases to matter. I don't care what generation it is. Um, the beginning of America still matters. That's being rewritten right before our eyes. Mm -hmm. um, the beginning of why we left England matters. All of these things matter. The Vietnam War, uh, the war in Iraq, it's 10 years ago. So what are we going to say? It doesn't matter. Well, we're still living in the effects of that today. And uh, what matters the most is, is that we get back to what JFK stood for. And he had a lot of personal issues. We know that now. That's well documented. What, I'm, what he did have that I don't see a lot of our leaders now have is he had patriotism and he had a conviction for America and a better world and he had empathy for people. When that guy was in office, you genuinely would think, man, he cares about my kids. He cares about yeah. my family. The people aren't just cattle that he looks at that, that are just his tools so he can have more power. And, you know, we don't have that anymore. I don't feel safe anymore with the people that are in office. I don't feel like the people that are running for president have my interest or America's interest or patriotism in their heart. Um, and this is the result 
of the JFK assassination and the way the government responded to it. This is the result of years of fighting and bickering and cynicism. And now we have people who have grown up in that culture who are about to run for office. And it's going to be up to the little man and the small man to make people have more empathy and to have be more respectful when we communicate and work together and to try to solve this case the best way we can and to do our part. So that's that's kind of where I stand on it. Well said, Jake. Well said. And, uh, you know, I think it's great what you're doing. I think and I hope this is not the last we hear from Jacob Carter um, with the case. I hope this is just the beginning because I think you're doing uh, really great work. And I know it's a lot of hard work to put together a book and, and do the research and to, uh, you know, stay at it. So, brother, you know, nothing but respect for you and what you did and what you continue to do, both in, uh, you know, your personal life and with the case. And, Jake, I thank you so much for coming on the show, buddy. And just real quick, tell everybody where they can go get your book. Um, they can get it on um, – you can get it on Amazon. It's called Before History Dies. Um, you know, you can get it through – I have copies if people want to sign a copy because people have asked me for that, so I bought some. Um, they can contact – you can find me on Facebook. Um, you can find me through JFK Facts Facebook page. Um, you know, I'm around, so – if you look hard enough, you can find it. And, you know, I, I really respect you too, Rob, and I, I like what you do. And, uh, you know, I think people should listen to your show and should follow the example you set. So I really appreciate you having me on, and it's, it's been an honor. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure as well. And uh, we'll have to do it again, buddy. Okay, anytime. All right, people, for more information, and if you want the link to his book, head over to tlgpodcast.com. I will post a link uh, where you can get Jake's book and uh, more information about him and some other things we talked about here today. Uh, I thank everyone for listening, and I thank Jake for joining me. And this some bitch is in the can, being about to satellite down directly to your ears, people. This is your boy. Peace.
That was Before I Die by Papa Roach. To get your copy, head over to iTunes and Google Play. And everybody have a great, great Christmas coming up. Got a special show for you coming up for Christmas. My Christmas present to you people. Peace. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only. You do it right to save because you work too hard for your money not to. Lowe's is here to help with special Labor Day savings throughout the store. When you buy a DeWalt two-tool combo kit featuring a drill and impact driver, you get a DeWalt bear tool for free. Choose from a reciprocating or circular saw, angle grinder, or 20-volt battery. And update your appliances and get up to 40% off select appliance special values. This Labor Day, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Tool offer valid through 828. Appliance offer valid through 911 U.S. only.